0: Welcome to the Hoosier Ag Today Friday podcast. I'm Andy Eubank on the 8th of February, 2024. Eric Pfeiffer and C.J. Miller checking in with the news today. The Hath Podcast brought to you by First Farmers Bank & Trust. Experience banking built on heart, grit, and agriculture. FFBT.com for more and stop by your local branch. In the news, Chuck Conner on this week's Dicamba court ruling and details on chicken wings for the Super Bowl. Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin says mild today, but the real change in weather starts a little later today. And yesterday, ag markets mixed on USDA, Report Day. Mike Silver details that report on the Who's Your Ag Today Friday podcast. At First Farmers Bank and Trust, we know that when agriculture thrives, we all do. It's the heart and grit of our agricultural communities that keep the crops coming in and the livestock cared for day and night. That's why we build financial solutions around the needs and schedules of our ag clients. If you're looking for a financial partner that has over 135 years experience in understanding and supporting agriculture, we want to hear from you. let's harvest success together first farmers bank and trust member fdic equal opportunity lender from seed
1: grain and feed companies to crop protection farm implements and technology agribusiness is all around us here in indiana i'm bruce Kettler, president and ceo of the agribusiness council of indiana at aci our sole focus is on the needs of our members we advocate educate inform and we invite you to join us in our mission Visit our website, inagribiz.org, to become a member. That's inagribiz.org, the Agribusiness Council of Indiana. Strengthening and connecting Indiana agribusiness. Bad news for dicamba. How many wings are you going to have this weekend? I'm Eric Pfeiffer. This is Hoosier Ag Today. Earlier this week, a federal judge with the U.S. District Court of Arizona revoked the approval to use dicamba herbicide products on soybeans. C.J. Miller now has reaction on that decision from an Indiana ag leader serving in D.C.
2: I suspect we are going to be encouraging all of the agriculture community, not just the soybean sector, but certainly uh, the entire ag community to band together here because this is a process we cannot allow to stand.
3: And that's Chuck Connor, president and CEO of the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives. He's also a native of Benton County. The ruling by a U.S. district court judge says that the EPA violated the public input requirement from the federal Insecticide, Fungicide and Rodenticide Act before giving its approval for the use of dicamba herbicides.
2: Well, this is a significant ruling, and it's part of the more fundamental problem we have had in the last decade where the courts have had just too much to say about the regulatory process of the government of the United States. And whether it's EPA or FDA or whatever the case has been, the courts have really sort of taken over from where the experts are.
3: Connor says the timing of the judge's decision is most problematic.
2: I am just returning from a trip to Alabama with some ag retailers down in that region. And of course, planting season is upon them. And they, you know, are literally ready to roll out the door using dicamba product that has been in their warehouses the timing of this could not be worse for them in addition to the cost of that inventory and the fact that now farmers may well have to find something else to use and it's not clear at all what that product will be and what the cost of it will be.
3: He adds that there will likely be a stay of the decision during the appeals process which would still allow for the use of dicamba herbicides.
2: That's what we're going to be encouraging. I know there is already a letter circulating among members of Congress to the Environmental Protection Agency encouraging the agency itself to seek that stay which would have far more credibility if that were the case so this fight is not over
3: you can hear my full conversation with chuck connor at who's your i'm cj miller all
1: right cj thanks one of my favorite days of the year is coming up super bowl sunday no i'm not a 49ers fan a chiefs fan nor am i a swifty i am a fan of of the food i'll have my fair share of chicken wings this weekend and tom super with the national chicken council says plenty of other people will too
4: we are projecting americans will devour about 1.45 billion chicken wings this weekend for super bowl 58 that is a billion with a b
1: now for me it's buffalo sauce on those bone-in wings that i can then dip in some ranch Super has the stats on what's most popular.
4: In terms of dipping sauces, barbecue in our last consumer survey came out number one, followed by ranch, and buffalo hot sauce was third. And then a slight edge to bone-in traditional wings other than the boneless wings out there.
1: $1.45 is a big number, but Super says... It certainly could have been bigger.
4: USDA is projecting that last year's pounds and number of birds are pretty much flat compared to a year ago. And the reason that there wasn't an increase were feed costs relatively high, continued labor challenges... And, you know, even though demand is up, people would eat more wings if they were available, but they're just not there, so it's flat compared to last year.
1: We do have some good news going into Super Bowl Sunday. Retail prices are down a bit for wings, but Super encourages you to not wait until the last minute to get your wing purchases done or your wing orders in. I'm Eric Pfeiffer, your Ag Today indiana's farm network farm credit mid-america
4: believes that your crop insurance should be maximized to address what's important to you with their data optimized decision tool you can build a policy custom fit to your operations goals using your past production data their tool which they have exclusive access to in their territory maps out future events helping you choose the perfect policy time coverage level and options for you all guided by their crop insurance agents to learn more visit fcma.com crop insurance Farm Credit Mid-America is an equal opportunity provider.
1: The High Ground Podcast. Everything from energy and fuels. Memorial Day weekend. Going to be 87 to 89, maybe low 90s all weekend. So we thought we'd bring Scott Heine in. So we'll talk about Home heat. <laughs> 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 to agriculture. Anytime we can help a farmer grow
4: their
3: business and meet their goals, that's a proud moment for me. And, well, other things. For some reason, like and subscribe. We don't know why, but that's important.
5: We want you to do it on your own, but we're going to tell you.
3: <laughs> Listen now on all platforms.
5: I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin with Hoosier Ag Today's Indiana Farm. A forecast pattern change is upon us. We started off with a little bit of shower activity overnight last night few lingering showers yet this morning that was phase one we're still mild here for your friday phase two comes overnight tonight through probably mid-morning tomorrow As another round of moisture tries to come through out of that one, I'm looking for a few hundreds to probably four or five tenths coverage around 70 percent of the Hoosier state. That one there is what's going to draw down some cooler air. Temperatures are going to start to fall tomorrow morning and we're going to be much cooler by tomorrow afternoon. We do finish the weekend with no additional precipitation at this point. I think your Saturday afternoon just features clouds and Maybe occasional sunshine as the temperatures cool off. Sunday, chilly with clouds and maybe a bit of sunshine. And then we have a significant storm complex trying to come out of the southern plains to the east and north. The main body of the system stays down over the deep south. Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, even Tennessee. But there's going to be a northern edge that looks like it wants to come up through the Ohio Valley. So I'm going to say on Monday, I'm not going to rule out clouds. And some rain shower activity in Indiana, but most of it's going to be south of a line from Decatur to Terre Haute. Most of it's going to be south of there. That's where we see rain on Monday, and I think it's going to be upwards of a half an inch. Clouds will cover the entirety of the state, even up into lower Michigan, but precipitation should not come any farther north, at least the way we're seeing it right now. That system dies off overnight Monday night, or at least moves out, and Tuesday we just see clouds and occasional sun. Then through Wednesday and Thursday, a couple little disturbances moving through from the northwest. Thursday's the bigger one with some light snow and flurry activity. It opens the door to a colder surge of air to finish the week, Thursday afternoon and Friday. Canadian prairies air in here, and we're looking at temperatures probably a bit below normal for those days. But then all of a sudden, we're able to see a bounce in temperatures again, I think, as we finish out next weekend and go into the week following. So this is going to be a bit of a yo-yo, but clearly... Clearly we are not going to put together another stretch of mild air like we've seen this past week again for at least a little bit. I'm not saying that we're cold forever. There are some cold mongers out there that are trying to say that. That's not me, but I also can tell you we are not going back to the 50s again for at least a little bit after today. That's your forecast update. I'm meteorologist
0: Ryan Martin. USDA report day and mixed markets but mostly lower. This is Who's Your Ag Today. I'm Andy Eubank with the Thursday Farm Market Review Settlements on the Way. First, market analysis. And I grab that at the end of trade from Mike Silver. He's with Kokomo Green. Mike, USDA Supply and Demand Update. The WASDE report out at noon Eastern Time on Thursday. And we'll let you talk about some of the numbers, but uh, categorize that report for us as far as the influence on the markets bearish bullish I'm pretty sure it's not bullish or really not much impact
6: not much impact is the way I would classify it we did get some action when the numbers first came out uh, we corn and beans were both lower than it looks like we're going to close today but uh, not much impact as is typical with the February wasda report just not too much impact at all we did start out the day with the export sales report that came out uh, at 8:30 the corn expect export sales number was was decent in fact it, w- it was pretty good uh, 1.219 million metric tons up from last week's 1.206 so that was a good number the soybean number not so much it was three forty thousand tons uh, it was up from last week at 164 thousand tons but it was below the low end of the trade estimate at uh, 400. A thousand tons. The wheat number came in at 378.4, and uh, that was up from last week's 322.5, and uh, kind of mid-range of the estimates. We did get a flash export sale at 9:30, 200,000 metric tons of corn to Colombia, the country of Colombia. Uh, so that added a little support uh, to the corn market today. And then, as you said, at noon, we got the uh, USDA, February 8th, uh, World Outlook Board report, the WASDE report, Um, I'll I'll run through the numbers here quickly, Uh, the uh, corn ending stocks per USDA came in at 2.172 billion bushel, the average trade estimate was 2.148 so that was up a little, but uh, not significantly. The soybean number came in at 315 million bushel against an average estimate of 284 million. And uh, that, too, was uh, up, uh, but not significantly. Uh, the wheat number came in at 658,000 Bushels million bushels, but uh, the uh, the average trade estimate was six hundred and forty eight. So that number was up ten. And then we got to look at the uh, world numbers. Uh, The Brazilian corn number came in per USDA at one hundred and twenty four million metric tons. The soybean number came in at one hundred and fifty six million. And both of those were a little higher than the average trade estimate. Uh, The corn estimate was 123.6. The soybean estimate was 152.5. The Argentine number came in from USDA at 55 million metric tons compared to an average trade estimate of 55.6. The soybean number came in at 50, uh, and the average trade estimate was 50.9. So there was not a real significant change from the uh, average trade estimates in the USDA numbers. Now, I'll take a quick glance here at the balance tables for U.S. corn. Uh, we did increase our ending stocks uh, 10 million bushels. Uh, we're at one point, excuse me, 2.172. That's up 10 million from the month before. Uh, the average trade or the average market price uh, this is the average national cash price, 480. Uh, no change from the January number, but that is down $1.74 from the 654 number that we had uh, in last year's crop year. So, not much encouragement there as far as USDA's hope for for us to see a significant increase in that national average corn price. And as I've said before in some of my comments uh, in months past, basically, uh, Indiana is ahead of that national uh, corn price uh, by about 15 cents on average. And the corn number, excuse me, the soybean number, uh, we're up uh, about uh, 25 to 30 cents on average uh, in the uh, average market price for soybeans. Uh, We did have Ah, uh, change uh, in the ending stocks on soybeans were up thirty five million bushel. Uh, and that puts our national average cash soybean price at twelve dollars and sixty five cents, and that is down a dime from the January number and down a dollar fifty five from last year. So uh, the and the reason I bring these up, and we've talked about this before, uh, we have to look at, you know, some expectations uh, of what this market can do. And unfortunately, I am I hate to say that it looks like, you know, we're going to maintain some unattractive prices here unless something pops out of the woodwork in terms of some unexpected export demand and other world impact event that uh, – probably would not uh, be something that we would like. Uh, so so we just have, to, as I've said before, be patient, watch for opportunity. Um, I do want to say again that, uh, you know, grain quality, some of this grain that was put a wet away a little wetter than one might like to have put it away, especially now I'm talking corn, is starting to show a little more damage. So with caution, I encourage uh, folks who have not Pull the cores out of their bins, the centers out of their bins, and or really check the quality of their grain, corn in the bins uh, to safely do that and uh, get, uh, get, get those bins cored and, and get some of that uh, grain to town. Now, the other thing that is underway right now, just as a reminder, is this is the month of February, so we are in the spring crop insurance price determination period. The February average of December corn futures uh, will determine what our spring price is going to be for our revenue products for corn, and in soybeans, we'll look at the February average of of, uh, November soybean futures, and those numbers as they stand with uh, through the end of the day yesterday, uh, corn is 476, and that compares to last year's. Final February average number of 519. The soybean number right now is averaging 1174, and that compares to the 13.76, thirteen dollars seventy six cents, that we ended up as a spring price uh, last year. So, again, just as a reminder, keep an eye on on those prices, uh, and remember that uh, crop insurance is a continuous policy. So, if the uh, holder of a crop insurance policy wants to make some changes to his coverage levels uh, or the type of insurance that he's using, that needs to be done by March the 15th. And uh, the risk management agency should, uh, shortly after the last trading day of February, which we have 29 of them this year because it's leap year, around around the first, uh, I would guess, first to third day fourth day of March, uh, we'll have the official numbers. So uh, just again, a decision needs to be made there. And of course, the FSA, you know, we're extending the farm bill uh, because we've not been able to get any new farm bill legislation. So we need to decide whether we're going to use the price loss coverage type of option uh, for the FSA purposes or whether we're going to do the... uh, ARC program so uh, if anyone has any questions about that I would uh, suggest you get in touch with the FSA and uh, your crop insurance agent uh, to make uh, those decisions before the March 15th deadline.
0: Mike Silver of Kokomo Grain. His number is 800-666-0613. Final numbers now. March corn down a penny on Thursday, 433 and a quarter. May contract 445 down a penny and a half, up four and a half cents on the March beans, 1193 and a half, and just a quarter of a cent under $12 now on May beans, finishing up two and a quarter. March wheat, 13 and a half down at 588 and a Half. Meats mixed, April live cattle 186.57, up 177, and April lean hogs 75 cents lower, going to 80.35. I'm Andy Eubank with the Thursday Market Review. This is Hoosier Ag Today. Timely, relevant, credible.